My head's in a mess now I need to calm down So I sit myself down at the bar I feel this hurt now It grabs me by the arm He says, I know it sounds crazy she said, I don't believe it. Rock Hudson doesn't look gay, and besides, he and Doris Day are a couple. And I don't believe that if Rock Hudson is gay, that he would date anybody like Gomer, I mean Jim Neighbors. He would have his pick of all the movie stars, like Cary Grant. So I said, that's why I want to get those newspapers. See if there's anything about movie stars with boyfriends. Elsa came back into the living room to tell me she had spoken with Doc again. We were to go over at 9 in the morning. He'd fix breakfast and we'd talk about everything. I wasn't sure what everything was, but I was game. Then she said, I'm not going to bring anything up to him about molesting you years back. That'll be your thing. I certainly disapprove of it, but it's totally up to you. Doc would always go to Anderson's Corner early on Saturday and get fresh meat cut to his specifications. Uncle Bill would get local pigs, cows, and chickens on Saturday morning and spend the day chopping and slicing. He'd give us the bones for our dogs to gnaw on, Pinky and Punch, would work the bones over for a couple of days and then bury some for later. Elsa then said, What are you watching now? Are any of those guys gay? She had a smile on her face. It meant she liked this new turn our lives had taken. I felt 1,000% better being open and mostly honest with her. I'm watching the Dick Cavett show. I don't know anything about him. He does seem a little swishy, don't you think? Then she said, well, you can be a little swishy yourself, especially when you've had a few drinks. Then I said, well, I'm gay. According to the advocate, we are all swishy sissies. Now that we're honest, I need to tell you that I don't appreciate when you tell people he's looking after his girlish figure just because I won't have a second helping of the food you cook. I don't have a girlish figure. You do, but I won't say anything like that again. Who's Dick Cabot have on tonight? So I said, Jimi Hendrix. Cabot just told Hendrix that when he played the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock, that it was unorthodox. Hendrix confidently told Cabot that it was not unorthodox, and it was played very beautifully. The audience applauded. That Hendrix is a badass. Then she said, I'm going to bed. I don't know why anyone likes that kind of music. Anyway, it should be interesting tomorrow with Doc. Let's go swimming after we have our sit down. I'll keep Doc busy in the main house and you can head out to the apartment and grab all the newspapers. I can take them back when we're finished. She had on a teddy which I told her a million times not to wear. It was too small for her, plus she was 52 and should wear something less revealing, especially around me. 
After she went to bed, I called Lee to let him know I was home. He sounded excited to hear from me. He said, We're going to cook a really nice meal tomorrow night. Why don't you come up and eat with us? I was game. All three were nice guys. Lee was hot and liked me. I was not going to get myself in too deeply. I said, I'd love to. I have no plans tomorrow night. I also can't wait to go to the swim practice with you on Sunday. I'm not heading back to Boca until late. I'd make up some story for Elsa. She'd want to have my brother and his family over for dinner. I needed to meet new guys, gay guys. Lee told me to stop saying homo. Anderson's Corner was a mile from our house and Doc was up the road another quarter mile. When we walked in, he had every burner on the stove and the oven going. Bacon, eggs, pancakes, grits, and biscuits. Smelled like stepping into an IHOP on Sunday morning when everyone else was lining up for a stack of cakes. He was in his swimsuit. Jingle Balls was begging for a handout. Elsa and I sat in the nook while he told us of a baby he had delivered in Colored Town. He said, I got a call from my answering service about 11 last night saying, one of your patients is giving birth and you need to get out there right away. He flipped the cakes and began draining the bacon. He used the bacon grease to finish off the eggs. Enough eggs for an army of guys. Hot guys. The woman's husband gave me $50 cash for helping with the delivery and having me stitch up her pussy to make it tight again. When I went out to get in my car, my hubcaps were missing. I said, yeah, I wondered why the hubcaps were missing. Elsa already said you probably had been in Colored Town. Quail Roost Drive and US-1 was the center of Colored Town. The all-colored high school, Mays High, was located on that corner. Integration had begun in 1967, so the whites and colored were getting mixed up together, a lot of angry white people. Doc said, I'll send Bonnie out Monday to find them. Bonnie was a black man that was a janitor, handyman, and gopher for Doc. Elsa had trained Bonnie on how to sterilize the needles. Doc began dishing up the food and laying it across the table. He put orange and grapefruit juice out. I guessed he was going sober again for the next few months. He would repeat this pattern of getting sober, lose weight, and begin drinking and eating like a horse again when something pushed him over the edge. He was way more fun and entertaining when drinking. Now he would be sincere, most likely because we were giving him another chance. I wasn't keeping track, but possibly this was the hundredth chance he was needy. We ate together while serious and sober Doc told of his plans. If I was not going to be helping around the house, he'd find a live-in to stay in the apartment. The live-in would be responsible for the yard, the pool, the dogs, and cleaning the house. Probably be some sex involved late at night. I said, I don't have time to take care of those things. I've got a job with a Jewish accounting firm. They'll give me work that I can take to school and then bring back on my next trip. A lot of bookkeeping. When the fall quarter is up in the next two weeks, I'll work in their office. Doc said, that's great. I'm happy for you. 
He was happy because Elsa had worked out the mess he had made. He said, Did Elsa tell you that I'm setting up a bank account for your school tuition and books? She'll sign the checks. I've already put enough in till you graduate. I am truly sorry for what happened. Well, that was fine with me. He wasn't a horrible person. He was a degenerate. He wasn't looking at either one of us when he said it. He was playing with the food in his plate, pushing around the bacon and eggs. I said, well, that works for me. I figured since he was in a giving mood, I'd straight up ask him about taking the advocate and other papers home with me. I'd bring them back. He said it was cool. He had more and would get those for me. Some were gay sex magazines. Elsa did not bat an eye. After eating, I went back and got the papers and a few of my things and loaded them into Elsa's Chevelle Supersport. Doc came out with a large brown bag and said, The sex magazines are in here. Don't let her see them. After we left his house, Elsa said, I think that worked out pretty good for you. I now have that bank account that I can write a check on for your tuition and books. You'll be good and sober for a few months. I turned down Farm Life Road and one of the neighbors was out and stopped us. Marianne was getting her paper and wanted to know what we had been up to. Of course, we didn't tell her. She didn't need to know about the two-foot-thick bag of gay newspapers or the brown bag of gay sex magazines. Once we turned onto our driveway, Elsa said, They're Republicans and would not be happy about your gay thing. When we arrived home, the first thing I did was open the trunk and carried in the newspapers and brown bag of magazines. Elsa asked, Hey, what's in the brown bag? I could show her, but we had already covered enough territory. Maybe another day we'd get into visual. I placed the newspapers on her dining table, just enough table space from all the rough dried clothes piled everywhere, including the chairs. I said, just more newspapers. Doc wants me to give them back once we're finished. I took the bag up to my bedroom and slid them under the bed. I was so looking forward to diving into them. Our dog, Pinky, was turning on his side trying to pull the bag from under the bed. What a sight, Pinky coming down with a porno magazine in his mouth. I pushed him a little further under the bed. Elsa yelled up to me. I'm putting some coffee on. Can't wait to get in those papers. She was eager to read the gay newspapers. I guess to see what her baby boy was plunging into. As I sorted out the newspapers, we had Mattachine Review, One, The Ladder, Screw, The Advocate, and Gay. I was overwhelmed by all the articles. There were articles about politics, culture, hookups, plays, fantastic centerfolds, astrological service, first-hand accounts from the front lines of gay activism, and gay business advertising. Businesses were looking for gay customers. Out in the open, some of the covers were psychedelic. New York was looking very attractive to me. Elsa and I laughed and drank coffee as we read article after article. One was centered around Stonewall, 
the report was titled, Homo Nest Raided and Queen Bees Are Stinging Mad, written from the point of view of a drag queen. Said, last weekend the queens had turned commando and stood bra strap to bra strap against an invasion of the helmeted tactical police force. Queen Power reared its bleached blonde head in revolt. New York City experienced its first homosexual riot. There were tons of photos of the uprising. I thought, how timely for me. When I had my first gay experience with a guy, the New York City gays are having their first revolt. Maybe another part of the baby boom generation impact. Reading those newspapers empowered me to not feel so alone or hopeless about my life, the younger generation being sick of told how to be. Elsa then said, Do you want to dress up in women's clothes? Be a drag queen? The look on her face was worry. Maybe. Please, dear God, don't let my son be a drag queen. It would have been fine if that were the case. So I told her, I put your high heels on once and tried to walk down the stairs, but I almost fell. So no, I am not interested in looking like a girl. I wanted to tease her, maybe even shock her. But if I did, would you make a dress for me? Help me with my makeup? Was all I could do to not smile. She was ahead of me. Oh, I would make a skirt and a blouse. You'd look better because of your girlish figure. I told her, I think after college, I might move to New York or San Francisco. It would be an easier life because the gays are standing up to the bigots. I could blend in and it would be easier for me to be accepted. She said, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I think you can make it work right here. Doc made it work. And it was harder for him in the 50s. You are new to all this. Give it time. I was excited at the prospect of living in a big city, making new friends. I wouldn't have all the friends continually wondering what I was up to, who I was dating, why I'm not getting married and having kids. Be a fresh start, hitting the reset button. Elsa was still pouring through the newspaper. She would read an article and then there would be a big laugh. I didn't even ask. I was fascinated by all of the gays and how they were making their lives work. I could picture myself involved to make things better. I would never do anything like that on my own, but with thousands willing to stand up, well, then I would be there with them. Elsa said, we could be here all day looking at these. Freddie's coming by later for dinner. Are you going to join us? No, I'm invited to dinner at Lee's house. I told you that. He and his two roommates are making a special meal and want me to be there. He and the guys are nice. It was such a relief to be honest. Well, it sounds like fun. I hope you enjoy yourself. You need to relax. Don't be so uptight. She pushed an article over to me to read. It was about two guys, lovers. Jack and Larry moved to New York from D.C. and they seemed to be key figures in the uprising. Oh, I'm getting better. Lee and his roommates are all students at University of Miami. They are also on the swim team. 
I think I'm going to take a nap. I didn't really sleep that good last night. I really wanted to pull out the brown bag and look at some naked guys. The magazines opened my world up. Guys were in all shapes and sizes, some with body hair, some hairless, some with muscles and some skinny, some with long hair, some with shaved heads, a showcasing of butts, chest, legs, and faces. I liked the faces. I didn't like bodybuilders or football players. I never liked the football guys with all their gear on. I liked slim, fit, cute, with a nice butt. Also learned some new words, chubby chaser and chicken hawk. I left Elsa with the gay newspapers. I headed up to Cutler Ridge to buy a new shirt for dinner at Lee's. Richard's was the closest department store that had clothes I liked. If anyone ever asked or complimented my new shirt, I'd say, oh, I've had this forever. I didn't want anyone ever to think I went out of my way to impress them. While in the men's department, I ran into an acquaintance from high school, Bobby. He said, Calderwood, you're looking good, man. I bet the girls are all over you in Boca. Another reminder for me to move to New York. I could have said to him, Oh, I'm all over the guys. Forget the girls. Bobby told me he was splitting from his high school sweetheart. I already knew she broke his arrogant ass and moved up to Art. Art was a sweet and handsome guy. When I arrived back home, Elsa said, Oh, Lee called and said to be at his place at seven. I talked to him for a few minutes. He does seem like a nice guy, very polite, saying, Yes, Miss Calderwood and it was a pleasure, and your son is a very nice young man. Did you know he was from Miami? Uh, I think you know more than I do, Miss Calderwood. He sure knows how to charm. He's good-looking, too. Lee was an ass-kisser. I liked he wanted to be polite to her. He doesn't know Elsa and I are in a lower financial class than him and his roommates. The time will come, and like Elsa loves to say, We will cross that bridge when we get to it. Maybe one of these times when you're home, we'll have him down for dinner. I told Lee to call me Elsa. Well, that's a good idea. I'll think about it. School is out next Friday. I'll be around for a few weeks before the winter quarter begins. We'll have to get all the laundry off the dining table and maybe iron it. She said, you're much better at ironing than me. It'd go quicker if you didn't iron the sheets and towels. I've never heard of anyone doing that. I told your Aunt Mildred about it, and she just rolled her eyes up to the ceiling fan. Then I said, Oh, so now everyone at Anderson's Corner knows I do the ironing in the house. I guess that's not as bad as you telling them I made a fruitcake. I was bored one day, and I was looking in an old cookbook. The picture looked really cool. I didn't think anyone else's son in the Redlands made a fruitcake. That might have been a signal that something was out of kilter. My friend Jimmy thought it was pretty cool. His brother Dennis called us queers. The cookbook belonged to Elsa's mother-in-law, who she hated with a passion. Then Elsa said, yes, by now they do. You know Aunt Mildred. You worry too much. Anyway, figure out when you want to invite Lee down. I'll bake shepherd's pie that you love. I bet he has never had anything like that. I figured he had probably never 
been out to the Redlands, much less eaten shepherd's pie. It was fantastic. Lee's mother doesn't cook. They have a maid and a housekeeper. His mother doesn't work. She goes out to charity events all the time. She's a big wheel in Miami. Coming here will be a new experience. I wasn't dead set on having Lee down too soon. Then Elsa said, Oh, I almost forgot to tell you. Mr. Cole is getting married. He's marrying a younger woman. Mr. Cole rented our packing house and built and repaired boats in it. He was in his 60s. He even seemed older than that. Then she said, I was telling Mildred about it, and she wondered what you would get for an old man. You know what I told her? I shook my head back and forth. No, no idea. I guess it's something he can use. She said, yeah, a box of starch. She could not (laughs) keep from laughing. I wanted to embarrass her if possible, so I said, well, what does he need starch for? Then she said, you are not that dense. To make his pecker hard, Mildred howled when I told her. She began telling everyone that came into the store. And Mildred said, We don't have a big enough box. You'll need to go to Franklin's. So I arrived at Lee's a few minutes before seven. I was nervous and overthinking the scene. Lee told me that an older couple was coming over. They had been together for ten years and had a successful flower shop in Coral Gables. I learned another new word, flamboyant. Those guys were in their late thirties. Every other word was darling. At one point, the heavier one said to Lee, lovely to meet your new bride. How creepy. I knew he was trying to be smart and cute, but it didn't work for me. Paul and Steve were (laughs) laughing at the flower shop guy's comments. It was entertaining for them. It was a relief when the older guys left. They had to go home and walk their dog, Precious. Lee, Paul, and Tim sat around talking about school and the holiday break coming up. They were all going on a ski trip. Lee said, can you believe those guys used Doc as their doctor? Isn't that amazing? I told them a little about how we met you. They couldn't believe all the drama with him and you. I told them not to bring any of that up tonight. I said, thanks. I want to forget about that whole episode. I wasn't going to tell Lee how we came to terms with Doc. I didn't know them well enough to explain it. They just wouldn't understand. I didn't have the luxury of having a father handing out money. I envied them not having to work. Lee said, Hey, you want to go out to the bars later? We're thinking of the warehouse. I said, I've never been to the warehouse. The Ambassador's Bar was the first and only gay bar I've been in. I was intrigued going out with gays, my age, to a bar. He said, well, the warehouse is different. It's not a dance bar. It's just a bar to hang out and meet guys. Nothing fancy. The downstairs is straight. It'll be fun. So when we got there, we walked up some outside stairs to an open bar area. Maybe 50 people were wandering around with beers in their hands. Picnic tables scattered here and there. Tree limbs were hanging over the place. I liked it. More casual and comfortable. 
for the first 20 minutes, Lee pointed out sexual conquest. Oh, I fucked him, him, and him. I really didn't care about hearing that. Sounded like bragging. I guess I'd be the next on his list. Of course, he was the one being fucked. All of us then walked into the enclosed part of the bar. More people and activity. After about 10 minutes, a guy walked up to me and said, I bet you didn't think you'd ever see me in here. Well, it was Grady from high school. A great guy. I thought in high school he was probably gay. I don't know exactly why. So I said, no, I never would have guessed. Great seeing you. What have you been up to? Grady filled me in on all his doings. Said nothing special. I figured the word about me would leak out in Homestead. Then Grady said, you'll never believe who I ran into here. And then said, if you look over there, you'll see Mike from the bank. He thinks he's a big shit because his father owns the bank. I see him out here all the time strutting his stuff. I said, oh, I've met him before. He's an asshole. When I had my paper route, he'd make me roll all the coins before depositing them. The girl tellers would do it for me. Besides, he's got a big nose. Head's in a mess now I need to calm down So I sit myself down at the fire I feel this hurt now It grabs me by the arm He says I know it sounds crazy But I'm there I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Navigating Muddy Waters. This is a true story of my college years. If you like my show, please tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wondery, or wherever you are listening now. Everything in my show is based on actual events. I'm your host, Joe Calderwood. I'm also the writer, recorder, producer, and editor. Music is by Freddie Elmberg. I also have another podcast by the name of Stained Fortune, and you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast.